presented by Business Roundtable. Good morning, Playbookers. I'm Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It is Thursday, October 19th, and that means it's day three of Jim Jordan's quest to become Speaker, day 16 of the House not having a Speaker, and just 29 days until a government shutdown. We'll have more on the Speaker vote in a second. But first, President Joe Biden is back today from the Middle East, and he returns to a Washington where his steadfast support of Israel and Israel's response to Hamas's terrorist attacks is emerging as a dividing line in the Democratic Party's left flank. Yesterday, demonstrators advocating for a ceasefire descended on Capitol Hill, sitting in at the Cannon House office building and staging a protest on the lawn of the Capitol. Now, at that demonstration, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who is a Democrat from Michigan and the only Palestinian-American member of Congress and one of two Muslim women in the House, repeated a claim that Israel bombed a hospital in Gaza. Now, by all appearances, that claim seems to be false. President Joe Biden has disputed it. He cited U.S. intelligence in blaming a misfired rocket by Palestinian militant group Islamic Jihad for that catastrophe. And yesterday, the Senate Intelligence Committee's top Democrat and top Republican, that being Senators Mark Warner and Marco Rubio, respectively, released a statement saying that their own review of the intelligence gives them the confidence that, and I quote, the explosion was the result of a failed rocket launch by militant terrorists and not the result of an Israeli airstrike, end quote. And yet, even after all of that, Tlaib repeated the debunked claim and tearfully vowed to demonstrators that she will not forget what President Biden has done on this issue. You're going to want to watch today and in the days ahead to see how this fault line deepens divides on the left, especially as progressive icons like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have already come under attack from other progressives, alleging that they haven't been vocal enough in calling for a ceasefire, while other progressive heroes still, like Senator John Fetterman, are facing criticism for their vocal and unwavering support of Israel. And you can expect that these fissures will become all the more pronounced as President Joe Biden addresses the nation tonight on the topic of Israel and the Hamas attack. But the bigger news on Capitol Hill is the ongoing speakership drama, specifically the lack of one, the repeated failed attempts to elect a new one, and the tremendous amount of fog clouding the outlook at the moment. Here with me to discuss where things stand on the Hill after another failed attempt to elect a House Speaker is Daniela Diaz, Congress reporter extraordinaire and the author of Politico's must-read Huddle newsletter. Good morning, Daniela. Good morning. So Jim Jordan lost round one on Tuesday. He lost round two yesterday by a bigger margin. What are we looking for here on today, uh, day three? Well, I've been talking to so many lawmakers, Republican lawmakers that have made clear, you know, I'm talking Mario Diaz-Balart, Carlos Jimenez, Lalota, Desposito, the Republican New Yorkers, you know, I'm talking the ones that have been voting against Jim Jordan that are warning that this is just going to continue. A lot of these guys are not going to flip their votes. We're expecting more people to drop out from supporting Jordan in a possible third ballot. This is the reality of where he stands right now. He doesn't have the votes. He's bleeding support. And it's unclear where he goes from here. But look, Jim Jordan is someone that we've always known to be a fighter. That's kind of how he has described himself. He's a former wrestler. They've been talking about that a lot during the nominating speeches for these ballots that he's had for a speaker. And it's unclear whether he will 
drop out of this race anytime soon, especially as he keeps mentioning that former speaker Kevin McCarthy went 15 rounds on the floor. And that seems to be someone he admires, has been talking to him through this process. So a lot on the table right now for him and not really sure where where he goes from here. So it seems that over the last day or two, he's suggested after falling short in the votes, uh, somewhat of a willingness to bend on certain issues where maybe that wasn't what people were really expecting from a potential Jim Jordan speakership. How is that affecting the sense of him? Because he does have this image as this sort of rock-ribbed conservative who doesn't give in. And yet on things like Ukraine funding, uh, he suggested a willingness, other issues as well. What what is that? How is that affecting the mood? The irony of this, as I speak to Democratic and Republican lawmakers, is that Jim Jordan is figuring out what it means to actually lead a conference with different factions within the conference, right? Think of the centrists, the ones that are voting against him right now, the appropriators. You know, Jim Jordan has never, ever supported a CR. And their their frustration with this person who is running for speaker, who has opposed their efforts and their hard work for the last, I don't know how many years, at least a decade, they are frustrated. And that's why they're voting against him. The most surprising person being, of course, the chairwoman of the Appropriations Committee, Kay Granger. And that is the reality of what it means to be a leader for a Republican conference with such a small majority. And that is why we're seeing Jim Jordan having these discussions with different members of the party and telling them different things because he knows that in order to lead this conference, he does need to appease members and maybe in his previous lives in different roles that he's played in leadership in the Republican conference, he hasn't had to do that. And he's always been a traditional conservative and he's known as the House Freedom Caucus guy, but the House Freedom Caucus guy can't lead swing district Republicans. That's just not how that works. And, and, and it's really interesting to see that he's realizing that that's something that he needs to bend on. One thing that's been sort of an interesting subplot here is the murmur that perhaps Democrats might be on board with empowering Speaker Pro Tempore McHenry and basically granting him temporary powers beyond what uh, would be expected in, in the role that he currently occupies. You know, how serious is that effort? And do you think that is that basically being talked up by perhaps Jordan's allies as a way to make it seem like the alternative to Jordan basically is something that Democrats want as a way to try and keep Republicans together behind Jordan? It's the Republican centrists that want this to happen. So if Jordan allies are talking this up, which I believe that they're if they're talking about this, it is to try to scare and encourage the party to stay together. But the centrists don't want to support Jordan and they want to empower McHenry. And they've made that clear from the beginning. Loda told me that that should have been the first thing that the House did was empower McHenry to move legislation instead of rushing to have another speaker's vote after they vacated McCarthy. So Democrats are not publicly saying so much collectively where they stand. You're not going to see leader Hakeem Jeffries come out and say that Democrats are going to support McHenry. They've been sticking to their message of they're looking for a bipartisan way to move forward, but they're not saying that means McHenry. Privately, though, we are seeing conversations taking place between some Democratic members and some Republican members. I would say the middle and both conference caucus are really the ones engaging in this. And one Democrat came out and said, this needs to happen now. And that was moderate Jared Golden, a Democrat from Maine who often breaks with his party because he's from a, a pretty interesting, vulnerable district. So whether that becomes the first of many that remains to be seen. But 
it does seem to be a conversation that's becoming louder, even if it's still happening behind closed doors. Some members are now talking to reporters on background about it. It's, it is something that they are raising as a p- potential solution to this mess that Republicans can't seem to, to solve. And it'll be interesting to see if those calls and that chatter grows from here, uh, if, if Jordan does come up uh, short here on day three. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And for your schedule today, the House and Senate are both in, and President Joe Biden will address the nation tonight to discuss the U.S.'s response to the conflict in the Middle East and the ongoing war in Ukraine. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening. America's status as the global leader in innovation is at risk. Key tax incentives for investment in the U.S. are being phased out, while other countries double down on domestic investment. Unless Congress fully reverses these tax increases on U.S. job creators, American businesses and workers will be at a competitive disadvantage. Congress, it's time to support American jobs and innovation. Restore essential business tax incentives. Learn more at BRT.org.